Hi friends, jumping on before the start of the episode to ask for your help. Since I started this podcast four years ago, I have been dreaming of a place for us to gather, a place where we can practice some of the things that are shared here on the podcast, a place where you and I can meet gaze to gaze, heart to heart, and a place where we can share our experiences of enriching our lives through the wisdom of the body and expanding our pleasure through the wonder of the senses. I would love to hear your voice and your vision in writing this next chapter of Come to Your Senses. Go to schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey to contribute your ideas, give your feedback on which topics you burn with the most passion to hear about, and let's create a beautiful sanctuary together. Schoolofsensualliving.com slash survey. I will see you there. Hello, and welcome to the Come to Your Senses podcast. I'm your host, embodiment-based coach, Mary Lofgren. Here, we explore how to live bravely and beautifully through a lifestyle of embodiment. You'll hear gems to empower you around mindset, mindfulness, somatic psychology, and neuroscience, as well as beauty, food, style, and the art of slow living to meet your soul through the senses. I am so happy that you're here. Let's begin. Hello, beautiful listeners, and welcome to the podcast. Happy to have you here in my auditory home. And today we are going to be exploring a very underdeveloped art form in many people, which is the art of pleasurable, purposeful restraint, not the kind of restraint that comes with ropes and blindfolds, but more the restraint of some action of not doing that serves a greater experience of having. And so in today's episode, we're going to talk about the pleasure of wanting. We're going to talk about the vacuum that gets created when you choose restraint and how to skillfully and safely navigate that. And we're also going to talk about how to go about practicing pleasurable restraint in order to have a more embodied experience of presence. Because ultimately, with embodiment, with sensual living, that's what it's all about, is having the egg of your energy be contained and sound and secure. Whereas when I feel disconnected from this art form, it feels like my energy is just flying out all over the place and the volatility of desire has kind of taken me by the throat, which can be a really fun ride to be on. And it can also be hair raising. And so after listening to today's episode, you will learn how to have a more pleasantly, pleasurably modulated experience of intensity for a more delightful experience overall in any of your pursuits and desires. And so we're going to jump right in to your first gem 
And your first gem is the pleasure of wanting. I would say when I look at myself, my clients, the friends in my life, 90% of our suffering comes from wanting. (laughs) It's such a paradox, right? Because desire is about getting us to these pleasurable states. And yet the actual state of wanting and longing and yearning can bring up so many thoughts and feelings of scarcity and lack and inadequacy and hopelessness. And in a previous episode on the art of seduction, I talk about the three phases of every desire or every seduction. And those phases are anticipation, culmination, and afterglow. So anything that you want, anything that you're seducing into your life, whether it's a book deal or a big muscly lover, whatever it is, all the things that we are calling in follow this arc. And being in a culmination-driven culture system that is often where we put all of our attention. So if it's not culminating, it's not happening. If it's over, it's time to be on to the next one. You know, I think about owning a home and being in the process of decorating a home and how far I've come with this home in the year and a half that I've owned it. And yet when I look around it, all I see is what needs to be done here recording this podcast. Oh, that needs to be moved. That needs to be painted. Whereas when I moved into this house, it was a much different situation. And my home is really beautiful as it is. And that is that tendency, natural tendency to just be focused on the culmination phase. Whereas when I look at it through a little bit of a different lens, I am in the afterglow of making some big moves on making this home my own. I am in the culmination of what I would call phase two of decorating, not that initial phase of figuring things out and getting to know the house, but okay, I've got a rhythm here. I've got a sense here. The house and I have a relationship and I am in the anticipation of phase three. And there are two ways to look at anticipation. One, as we've already discussed, is the urgent sense of lack of something that needs to happen or needs to be done. But what if you could look at the absence of your desires as its own distinct experience of pleasure? So this is kind of a random story, but years ago, I remember trying to send an emoji and I was looking for a particular emoji And this was before the search function launched on iPhone. And I remember thinking, damn it, I really wish I could just search for this crystal ball emoji. Where the hell is it? It was buried in the bells page or something like that. And I remember thinking, you know what? Someday we're going to have that search button. And today we do. And when that day gets here, I will miss having the experience of thumbing through these pages of emojis and having this common experience with people of 
where are this, where's the grape emoji, you know? And it was like such a small, trivial example, but it's a way of savoring the time that we're in. Because I don't know about you, but I notice that the more options there are for convenience, the more disconnected I feel from the moment. I was listening to a radio ad the other day talking about, you can see your doctor from the car. And I've seen my doctor from the car, and I've seen my therapist from the car, and my coach from the car, and I am so grateful for the technology that allows me to do that. And I want to look my doctor in the eyes. I want to see my doctor and have them feel my energy and have an intimate experience. And so in a world that moves really fast, anticipation is a underappreciated experience. And one of the ways that you can practice, a very, very small way, technology is our muse today for some reason, but you are most likely hearing dings all day. And what if instead of hearing the ding and reaching for the phone and seeing who it was, you instead take a pause. You hear the ding and you think, oh, who could that be? (laughs) Even if it's most likely your kids or your mother-in-law or your, or your work, hearing the ding, taking a pause and taking a moment to wonder, to anticipate who is on the other end of that sound, like it was a tin can telephone, who is wanting my attention right now. And in that valley between the peaks of culmination, there is so much pleasure that is often missed. And so that is your first gem, is savoring anticipation and reframing the absence of what you want as just its own flavor of pleasure. The second gem is to beware of the vacuum. So whenever we practice restraint, essentially we are changing habit. And maybe that habit is taking time before you make a big purchase. Or maybe that habit is choosing to eliminate a certain food from your daily diet to see how it affects your system and how it feels. You know, whatever it is, we're making a change. And something to know about making a change is that any kind of new behavior requires energy and can be exhausting, even if it's quote unquote good for you. And this is why we fight with changing habits is no matter how good something is, moving from our comfort zone, even if our comfort zone is full of suffering, having a different experience requires some energy. And so the body, because the body and the nervous system's job is to conserve and modulate and protect your energy, of course it's going to tell you to go on the path more traveled. Of course it's going to tell you to take the easier route. And what that might look like is in moments where you practice restraint and there is a vacuum created, 
It can get all kinds of hairy in that vacuum down that brambled path of the unknown. And I had an experience last year where I was going through a really difficult time. And I went away for the weekend with my best friend, Julie, to Miami. And I live alone and I don't love living alone. I'm actually considering getting a roommate at the moment. If you know anybody fabulous in the Western North Carolina area, just to have some company at home, but I digress. And during this difficult time, you know, I was just spending a lot of time in isolation. And then I went to Miami with my best friend and it was just connection and sun and pleasure and beautiful food and beautiful culture. And I was just flying high when I got home. And then I woke up the next morning and boom, right into the vacuum of pleasure and connection and nature and color and diversity. And all of that was taken away. And so in that vacuum, all my system wanted to do was go back to my comfort zone, isolate, feel bad for myself, feel bad about myself, you know, and a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine said, honey, you know, you are withdrawing from that high level of connection. Don't confuse the vacuum of that with reality. You know, in those moments when our system is in distress, it can come up with all sorts of hairballs of thoughts about our lives, about who we are, about what, how good enough we are, blah, blah, blah. And so when you are in the vacuum, or I'll speak for myself, when I am in the vacuum of a change in behavior, one of the most loving things I can do for myself is plan healthy behaviors to be protected and be lubricated in that transition and in that valley between where I am now and where I want to be. And this year, my big, beautiful goal for the year is a certain savings goal. Took some time off last year to tend to my health and uh, depleted some of my savings. And I really want to get it back to where it feels good to me. And that requires some change in behavior around money. And one of the things I'm seeking to shift right now is just being a Whole Foods cowboy and <laughs> going in there and turning off my awareness. You know, it's like my awareness is a faucet and I just go bloop and I turn it off. And then I leave there having bought the probiotics and the protein shakes and the, you know, Lord knows what, because I'm a Virgo and health and wellness is my domain. And I love the way it feels to be unrestrained when it comes to my nourishment. And the change in behavior that I'm seeking to make is not deprivation by any means, but it's awareness and discernment and restraint to where I'm not purchasing things made on impulse. I'm coming from a place of deep instinct around what my system and my soul really need, which is nourishment of my body and my health and nourishment in my savings account. And is there a way for me to get both needs met? Absolutely. 
And so a way that I protect myself and I furnish that dark and scary unknown of a change in behavior is I have these action buddies, friends in my life where we hold space for each other as we are making changes. And I will text them and say, I'm going grocery shopping. Pray for me. (laughs) Hold up a candle. Please hold space for me to not abandon myself. And this is something that we do in my coaching programs. So in the coaching program, I, that's my signature embodied intelligence. We have little mastermind groups where one of the key methods of transformation is the admission that we are not designed to do any of this alone. It requires a great sense of fortitude to choose devotion to what you know is true over the oblivion of conditioned impulse. That is deep work. And it is, if it was something you could do alone, you would have done it by now. And that's why we hire coaches. And that's why we have masterminds and support groups is because just knowing my friends are on the other end of my tin can telephone, cheering me on and hoping I'll keep my boundaries, whatever that means to me that day. This is where restraint is no longer an experience of punishment or restriction, but it's an experience of pleasurable discernment and gives me a different kind of high. You know, following impulse gives us a hit that cannot be denied. But choosing to invest the energy of that hit in a change of behavior that is also seen and supported by others and encourages others is a kind of high that I think we are built for and we are designed for and that wakes us up rather than puts us more deeply to sleep. Next gem is to support yourself by making your acts of restraint automatic. So in the pursuit of my savings goal, one of the most helpful and generous pie slices in the wheel of making that happen is automatic savings. Because with the nervous system and the brain-body connection, once again, we have a limited amount of energy And our survival system is primed to hold that energy very precious. And there's just only so much change that it can tolerate at once. And so one of the most loving things I can do for myself is to make that habit of contribution to my savings account something I don't even have to think about. I don't have to use the precious pennies of my conscious mind to take the action. My bank account does it for me, and my calendar does it for me. Another way of practicing this and making it automatic is, let's say you've just ended a significant relationship. You're going through a breakup, and the restriction way of going about things might be to sit on your hands and not text this person or to you know do all sorts of other controlling gestures. And those are so needed and so necessary sometimes. 
But perhaps a more friendly, more pleasurable way to go about it, once again, would be to fill the vacuum. And so whenever I'm going through a difficult time, my coping mechanism, my unconscious coping mechanism is to isolate. And so I make sure when I sit down on my Sunday night, every single day I have something planned for my pleasure and something planned for my need for social connection. So for example, going to see my trainer, Cynthia Sims at WNC Barbell, just giving her a little plug in there. She just started a strong for summer challenge. I love her. She's a really good friend of mine. So that gets my need for pleasure, pleasure of working out and the pleasure of seeing a friend met in one shot. Looking forward to Friday night, You know, I think we've all had the experience of getting to a Friday night and thinking, oh God, I have nothing to do. No one loves me, you know, and going into this like spin. And so this is a little bit kind of of a paradox, right? Because we're not necessarily showing restraint here by adding things to your calendar, but we are showing up in a different way for your sacred no. So in my case, for example... I am a sacred no to isolation and to the way that isolation impacts my mental health. And so it is a form of restraint for me to plan and to create and furnish my calendar so that I have these safe ports. I know that as I move through my week, I'm not just going to fall into that automatic behavior of work, 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 oh crap, I forgot to plan something. Well, I guess I'll just do more work, work, work. (laughs) You know, once again, as body people, we are at our root, very heady people. And that's my comfort zone. And I sometimes call this anticipatory self-care, where I know that that experience of forced restriction is coming And I, once again, want to save the pennies of my subconscious so that I can make a wiser choice in those difficult moments. Something that taught me a lot about this was uh, choosing to become sober and going to birthday parties. And you better make damn sure in those early days I was bringing my own beverages. (laughs) It made the restraint feel not only more pleasurable, but more automatic because I had planned in advance. And so there are dozens more gems. I wish I could talk to you about this for the next two hours, but we are going to stop there for today. There are so many things that I want to share about this with you because ultimately what we're talking about is sitting you in the seat of your wisdom voice. And when we talk about our embodied intelligence. It's where we sink beneath the flares of impulse into that more quiet, more whispering, more truthful, more empowered voice. And so while I hope these gems have been helpful for you in locating the seat of your own wisdom voice, please know that this is the tip of the iceberg And this summer in June, I'm going to be opening up for new clients for embodied intelligence coaching. And if you'd like to become a client and talk about becoming a client, I would love to have that conversation with you. 
head to schoolofsensualliving.com slash coaching. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. I would love to hear from you and love to read your name on the air when you leave a review on iTunes. It has been such a pleasure being with you once again, and I will see you in the next episode. For coaching, classes, and community in creating a lifestyle of embodiment, head to schoolofsensualliving.com. There you'll find a free video series on how to reduce anxiety and intercept the stress response through powerful, confident body language. Head to schoolofsensualliving.com slash confidence to watch your first video today.